Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. And like half the drivers on the grid's popped tires, we're rolling off the track. And we had a fantastic weekend in Cutter, Cotter, whatever you want to call it. Um, a lot of things happened that we're going to, you know, hit the ground running on. But initial thoughts, observations, feelings towards everything? I was watching a video, by the way, my voice is still the way it is, so sorry about that. I was watching a video uh, by Peter Windsor, he's an old F1 reporter, and he said, quote, Formula One is bracing itself for the championship battle that we haven't seen in almost half a decade. And he's right, man, I'm, I'm excited. We had so much going on this past weekend, tons to talk about. You know, one, two, Lewis, Max finish, point differential shrinking down to eight. You know, meaning if, if Lewis wins next round and Nick's fastest lap, Max finishes P2, which is the only other place he's finished outside of P1 as long as he completes a race. Um, this is going to go into a last round where both drivers are tied at the 1-2. So, yeah, dude, that. Alonzo on the podium. We got David Beckham visiting the grid, hanging out with McLaren. Tons of stuff to get into. I can't wait, man. Yeah, absolutely. And just to go over what we will be covering today, our sectors that we like to call, we're going to hit up our good, bad, and ugly, as we do after every race, then our race recap, going into our race predictions recap. So moving right along to our good, bad, ugly. Ian, you want to hit us up? I will. Um, my good, bad, and ugly for the week. My good, give me the old guys. Um, so we had Kimi beat Antonio Giovinazzi. That was kind of a, a minor one. He started ahead of him in qualifying. But good to see the old buck uh, stay strong. And then more importantly, Fernando Alonso with his first podium finish since Hungary in 2014. So he and Lewis, that was the last time they shared the podium, was 2014. Uh, since that's happened, Fernando Alonso's been on three different teams. He's taken a sabbatical from F1. He's come back from F1. He's raced in an Indy 500 race. He failed to qualify for an Indy 500 race. He won Le Mans. Uh, and also, I guess Hamilton has won six more world championships. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff's happened since, since the two of them have been up there together. Uh, but it was good to see him back up there, kind of like a, a feel-good story of, mm -hmm. hey, you never know what can happen in this sport. Even if you join with, like, a middle-of-the-table middle team, you can still experience these moments of, you know, just pure elation. My bad is going to be the pussification of Formula One. So last week, Horner got absolutely skewered by, just for saying, you know, we got Sonoda in qualifying, um, as if that were like a horrendous and inexcusable insult that like a professional athlete would never be able to overcome, uh, you know, even one at the highest level of racing. Uh, but yeah, this week he made a comment about a rogue marshal um, waving a double yellow flag. He was in the wrong, uh, like no doubt about that, but he got summoned to the stewards for it. And now uh, the FIA, you know, people on social media, um, even the FIA is kind of acting as if he made fun of a Marshall's dead family relative and just seems to be going a little bit too far. These guys are going to talk shit. That's what Formula One principles do. Um, just kind of seems like too much is being, too many mountains are being made out of molehills uh, when it comes to Red Bull's kind of PR strategy. But I think that's why a lot of people like him in the first place. And my ugly for the weekend is going to be Pirelli job security. So we had quite a few explosions of tires and punctures 
Um, some of which were, you know, were expected this weekend, like Pierre Gasly in qualifying. He just ran over the ran over the curb, bumped his front wing, and his front wing hit his tire. But other ones that just kind of seemingly came out of the blue. Um, Pirelli always lets the drivers and lets teams know, like, an expected range of what you can expect to get out of these tires. Um, and that did not happen for Valtteri Bottas, Nicholas Latifi, and also Lando Norris. So not since Baku have we seen these kind of, like, surprise, like, oh, your tire just exploded and your race is totally fucked now. Um, but, yeah, man, these these engineers, like, these uh, the people who report to the teams and the drivers, um, that has got to be kind of a, a scary Monday to wake up to after you saw yesterday. Yeah, even hearing Toto, he was like, yeah, we tried to recreate this entire thing using all the data that we had and still have no idea how this happened. Like, everything looked good. Every yep. Everything was great. So, yeah, uh, that is unfortunate for a ton of drivers this weekend uh, that, we, yeah, we saw starting in, yeah, about lap 35 with Valtteri and then a ton in the 50s that were just going one after another. So, unfortunate that definitely changed the aspect of how the race went and uh, definitely seriously affected a lot of the drivers so uh, great good bad and ugly there my good bad and ugly starting with my good is both the driver and constructors championship closing the gap i personally would have assumed if you know we got closer on the driver championship the constructors would have been you know further away luckily you know yeah. with how everything placed out with valtteri going out that we did get to see closure closing at the gap of both which makes you know the rest the last two races so like it just builds the implications builds so much that could happen from both so i cannot wait the fact that that happened to both sides of the storyline uh, just creates the, yeah, that much more awe and uh, excitement for these next two races my bad is going to be murder uh, now, this is the second time this Oops. year that we've talked about murder with Spa's pit boss being murdered for sleeping around. This one now is, uh, I think, I believe in 2018, the fiance of a murdered Saudi journalist asked Justin Bieber to cancel his Formula One show on December 5th. That is the same weekend, obviously, as the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. The journalist assassination was carried out by members of the Saudi government. The government agents were sent to Istanbul to murder him. Uh, the crown prince of Saudi said he had no knowledge of the operation, but the U.S. intelligence agency under our one of our favorite listeners, Joe Biden, said that the prince actually approved of the operation. So, yeah, there's um, obviously some issues politically and uh, outside the Formula One world that have been going on with this. Uh, but, yeah, they asked him uh, to not perform and to kind of show like hey this the crown prince whatever happens in saudi arabia is his knowledge his backing like his to do so uh, they're kind of saying that this is a potential sports washing to kind of forget about all the bad that happens in saudi all, all the stuff behind the curtains and you know if he calls it out that's going to help the cause uh other individuals performing at this concert include asap rocky jason derulo david Guetta, and tiesto so i mean they're doing sports washing at like the ultimate tier because they they're just bringing a huge huge cluster of great uh great artists to come into hard to say no uh and hard to be mad i guess as a, a watcher coming into formula one to see this huge list but yeah that's a tough decision to uh for these artists uh on what to do with, there with all of those artists being a part of that show wouldn't you be kind of annoyed if you were Justin Bieber and like, why did you have to single me out? Like, why couldn't you have slid into Tiesto's DMs? I guess you're headlighting, like he's the big dog, and like once he goes, the other ones will probably be like, oh shit, if he's going, I look like a real asshole if I don't. <laughs> and my ugly is going to be radios. 
I don't know about you, but I have really struggled more and more about hearing a driver come over the radio and understanding what they're saying. I know for me, like Lewis has always been someone that comes on super crackly. I uh, kind of rely on the announcers to understand what he's saying. It seems to be happening more often with one of the worst ones this weekend coming with Carlos Sainz. Sounded like I was at my niece's first grade recorder concert with a bunch of kids just like spitting into the instrument with everything they've gotten. Like with all this technology in these cars, can't we get maybe a Bose sponsorship and fix this? Because I mean, I, I really do feel like old man yelling at clouds and just like complaining about something small. But anytime I see like someone come over the radio, I do want to understand what they're kind of saying. So um, I'll get off my soapbox with that. But uh, I have been getting frustrated with those radios. I think even with uh, like a lot of the radios, you'll see like you'll see somebody write, you know, write down or, or like uh, like transcribe what the radio message said. Some of these people weren't even trying with with these radio no. messages because it was like, look, what do you want me to do? We can't we can't even kind of make out what this person's saying. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. Just I feel like it's a super easy fix, but I don't <laughs> know technology that well. But that is ending my good, bad, and ugly. Uh, I think both really quick before yep. you move on, can I can I bring up two things? First of all, um, you're welcome to the listeners returning into a little bit of NPR, educating you on uh, some you know geopolitical mm-hmm. events. I want to appreciate you for that. Um, and it was interesting that murder only made your bad and didn't make your ugly. Well, I don't so, want to double dip. Any you know, comments on that? Fair. That's true. Yeah, okay. I want to give the fair. I want to give the listeners not just one for two. I'm like that's two. That's kind of like the opposite of killing two birds with one stone. You know. I want to give them more more things murdering to talk about. Murdering two birds? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about murdering I just thought birds, it was interesting you know, that... It's so not really murder. I guess by death... Because <laughs> birds aren't real. Nope. I didn't... Uh, I just thought it was interesting that, um, you know, radio was, like, worse in your mind than murder. But we can move on. It's all good. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll fix it. <laughs> I'm going to edit it. <laughs> uh, all right, moving along from our good, bad, and ugly... On to our race recap. So just talking right into our practice and qualifying uh, positives that we want to cover. Lewis had another dominant 0.4 second gap to Max's P2. Pierre Gasly, incredible all weekend, moved from P4 to the front row after those penalties. So that was exciting to see. Like always nice changing up the the grid and what we're typically seeing is the like the two Mercedes two most of the time two red bulls up there at the very top uh, and pierre if anyone on the grid deserves it it's pierre and then alonzo oh, yeah. talking about your you know old people on the good alonzo getting up there as well and holding it the entire race so like being up there consistently alpine was fantastic all weekend uh something that we did not see coming i know we both had our opinions of how the kind of fifth place finish was going to play out, and uh, that did not help our that did not help our like our guests uh, this weekend because yeah, Alpine was on fire. Yeah, totally, man. That was like some some good positive news out of practice and, and qualifying. Some more negative news. Uh, you know, Max did uh, ignore a double yellow from a quote rogue marshal, as Christian Horner would put it. Um, got him a five grid place five grid five place grid penalty. There it is. Um, for ignoring that double yellow, Valtteri did something similar, um, although not as bad, and got him three grid place penalties. I mean, I'm just going to edit all this out if you want. <laughs> um, for Yeah, so similar debacle for Valtteri. Um, 
that put Max behind. That that was where you know Christian got so frustrated, just because it's like, all right, look, we have kind of an uphill battle with this constructors championship, and now we're getting we're starting in P seven. So it was just like you know added for a lot of like uncomfortable uh, feelings just leading up to the race. Also, Q two was massacring some of the big names that we've come to know in Formula One that are usually uh, you know perennial or constant appearers in Q3. So Stroll was out in Q2. Not super surprising. He's been struggling as of late. I think in uh, I think in Brazil or Mexico, he didn't even get out of Q1. Um, but other names that were claimed in Q2 were Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, and Daniel Ricciardo. So a Red Bull, a McLaren, and a Ferrari were all out in Q2s. I'm not really sure when the last time that's happened, but it's got to be a long time. And then finally, uh, negative stuff. I think we pick on him quite a bit in this podcast, as well as you know everybody does. Just whenever you're talking about Formula One, but Nikita Mazepin, he was 2.4 seconds behind uh, Mick's fastest lap in Q1, uh, and Mick's fastest lap was over two and a half seconds behind the the fastest lap of the qualifying session. So yeah, it's you know. It's just tough, man. Like I don't, I don't know what to say that hasn't already been said about this guy. But, uh, but yeah, I know he's gonna be back next year. I think in twenty twenty three, we'd all be, you know, a little bit more at ease if uh, if this guy was no longer in our hair. Yeah, I think maybe it was kind of a flash in the pan kind of thing where money talks, but it only talks for so much before like yep. actual actual skill really comes into play here because the skill is seriously lacking from the old Nikita. All right, moving right along into the race itself. So looking at, before we get into Alpine, which is our now standalone fifth, we do want to talk about AlphaTauri because they have been tied the last couple of weeks with Alpine. Uh, it was just an unfortunate strategy for Pierre. He got unlucky being the two-strop strategy, but just because of Cutter and kind of it's a very hard track to pass that he did get caught behind people with the one the one stop strategy and really couldn't make up the difference so uh that was pretty unfortunate for him uh and then kind of the tale of two stories here with this entire year that we've seen yuki starting on softs uh because of this he had it ended up pitting early and then just from there really was able was never able to make up some lost time uh that's something that i feel like we're kind of used to he'll show some flashes whether it be in quals or, or free practice that shows that he does have the pace and then when it comes to the actual race he's you know kind of nowhere to be seen uh moving along to the actual fifth place the standalone fifth place team alpine only in hungary Esteban getting that P1 and Fernando P4, where they have scored more points in a weekend. Uh, between those two weekends are over 45% of their points. So, like, when they're going to score Jesus. big points, they go all out on scoring those points. Uh, Alonso, as we'd said, was just incredible the, this entire race to maintain his spot. Esteban uh, did a great job climbing four spots in the race as well. So, yeah, I mean, like, as everyone said, Alpine was like their their car was very very quick this entire weekend uh which was kind of a surprise i feel like we had not seen this kind of like build up or no one really saw this one coming um so yeah great for them as we said normally we're kind of used to the french surrendering a little bit early but this race really was all we needed to see that sealed the deal for p5 this late in the season i mean we got two races left they are up uh 25 points i believe and uh yeah i don't think pierre is going to be able to make up those 25 points we have some fun quotes that uh, a lot of people really enjoyed with fernando alonso saying tell Ocon to defend like a lion against sergio perez after hearing that sergio was likely to take over p3 uh he did not do a great job 
but uh, a line he tried to be. So uh, good for him. Ended up, you know, in great points, as we said. So uh, not the worst to happen. But the safety car was more of a line than Esteban Ocon defending Alonso to get that P3 finish. Yeah, that was pretty poor timing to be like, hey, tell him to defend like a lion. And then I think like one lap later, he got, you know, pretty easily overtaken by Sergio Perez. But yeah, he tried didn't work he, out the way he, we wanted. He tried really hard to retake that position for, you know, about uh, yeah. two corners. And they were like, hey, look, he, re- he tried to get that back. And I was like, oh, I don't think that's what he was looking for. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, a, it was a good effort at least. Thanks, so man. it was like he tried like a lion. Um, okay, moving on to our P4 constructor. Looks like this is where they're probably going to stay for the rest of the season, unfortunately, uh, especially for us McLaren fans. Uh, McLaren with uh, Daniel Ricciardo P12 and Orlando Norris P9. Uh, very, very bad weekend again for the Papaya. Walking home with two points this weekend. Danny Rick, just another super disappointing, you know, everything. Qualifying wasn't good. Racecraft wasn't necessarily good. And this is even with um, him being in the land of the Honey Badger. So that energy, unfortunately, did not help him and Cotter. Uh, and then on the other side, Lando, back-to-back weekends with a puncture, man. Just sucks. One of them was Carlos Sainz' fault last week. And then this week, it was just Pirelli um, supposedly not giving perfect information to uh, to the teams and drivers. So, yeah, he, he had to pit on lap 50 because of that blowout. This kind of last dying hope blew away uh, or blew up with that tire. Uh, last, last dying hope being McLaren somehow eking out a P3. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a big opportunity lost because the Ferraris ended up P8 and P7. Um, could have been a perfect opportunity to kind of get in there and at least close that gap a little bit. But now as it stands, they're third. 39 and a half points behind Ferrari, the prancing horse. So with that, why don't you talk about Ferrari prancing horse, which not only has been good for you since it looks like it's going to stay P3, but they have been ripping those fucking pit stops wide open. Yeah, they got it figured out. I don't know what they're doing, but good for them. Yeah, Ferrari P3, <laughs> nearly 40 points above McLaren. So yeah, I mean, unless something absolutely crazy happens these last two races, we're going to see Ferrari in the P3. <laughs> Uh, Leclerc during qualifying, actually both Ferraris during qualifying, really struggled with pace. Uh, I know Carlos Sainz was saying that, you know, he was like, I I basically had a heart attack trying to get into Q3. He was going over the heavy curbs, uh, doing anything he could to get that pace enough to get him past. Leclerc was really struggling with pace, ended up finding out that he had a a crack in the chassis. Uh, Obviously, that is where kind of where that pace where he was losing. He was very confused about that and uh, understandably so. So um, that is where that came from. They had still tons of momentum. Uh, The pit crew, as you said, was just incredible. Uh, Fastest pit stop behind Red Bull. Signs had a relatively boring re- weekend. Charles was disappointed about P8, but as we said, you know, not making it into Q3. Uh, did have some, you know, making making up to, to go through the entire race. So uh, seemed f- fired up about the trajectory. Um, you know, morale was high. It was just kind of unfortunate. Uh, and then before the race, you know, as most drivers do, uh, you know, checking out the, the track, they both set up bikes together and, and rode through the uh, the track together. It was very fun kind of hearing them talk, being, you know, that friendship of theirs is very strong. Everyone talks about Carlando, and I, I think their friendship is a little tighter, but, you know, it's always, always great to see two drivers, same team, showing that they really, truly enjoy each other. I was hoping that they were going to start, start holding hands during the bike ride to finish it off, but, uh, you know, yeah. I can only ask for so much. 
very grateful to be able to actually see that video and, and see them going through them, kind of hearing their, their thoughts as they go through the track. But uh, yeah, that was a very fun side point during for the Ferrari boys. Yeah, the F1 and Liberty Media do such a good job at being like, all right, let, let us put you, let us make you feel like you're on a bike with Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc and just hear the banter behind, you know, behind the scenes of these guys just shooting the shit, riding along, checking out the track and, you know, kind of making each other laugh. So I think that is such a, aside from it being just like entertaining, it's such a clever angle to be like, yeah, these, you know, I'm, I'm so committed to Formula One. I like Formula One so much because it's like, these are just my friends racing around. I know them so well. So yeah, I, I like that kind of stuff, but um, awesome. Ferrari P3, Red Bull P2 in the Constructors' Championship. Max Verstappen with a P2 finish. Sergio Perez with a P4. A little disappointing for him because I think uh, he was thinking that if the virtual safety car had not come out around lap, what was that, 55? Um, he could have maybe at least closed the gap and, and it had one, you know, one lunge at Fernando Alonso. But so it goes. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Max P2, but he did everything he could from most people's view. You know, slower car than Mercedes. We saw that based off of qualifying. And you know, that compiled with starting P7 meant the win was kind of out of question. But best he could hope for was a P2 finish and stealing fastest lap, which he did. Um, and I think, I mean, I said at the beginning, if next weekend goes Lewis fastest or Lewis P1 and Lewis fastest lap, um, they're going to be tied. And so those like these little one point fastest lap changes here and there are going to end up being, you know, uh, pretty consequential. It looks like toward the, uh, toward the end of the season here. So that was Max um, Perez. I think we mentioned it just disastrous quality um but you know the flip side of that is he did make overtaking look pretty easy here at this track um and yeah it seemed like maybe it was just my perception but like going into the track um you know i didn't think that there would be all that much overtaking and i think lewis's engineer came on um about a quarter of the way through the race and said just so you know lewis here's where it stands and just so you know also it seems that overtaking is not as difficult as we thought um, and so, yeah, the cars were easier followed than initially anticipated and just kind of leading up to setting them up for, for some good passes with DRS. Um, but yeah, you know, Perez, tail of two sides again, shitty quality, great race, 17 overtakes all in all. Um, and then I, I just, I mean, we have a, we have a, a prediction that's dedicated to it, um, about these pit stops, but I do want to take time to appreciate these Red Bull stops like 2.1 seconds, 2.2 seconds. They're not just good every now and then. They're just consistently above the rest. Um, and so I just like it's it's so incredible to me that, you know, this like this aspect of the sport is obviously something that Red Bull has honed in on and uh, been like, look, this is, yeah, it's going to be worth maybe 0 0.2, 0 0.3 seconds. But that's like what this sport is, is having those point, you know, tenths of a second behind you. So, yeah, that was, that was just what I thought on Red Bull. Yeah, I, I would like to just add on to something that, you know, with Max starting in P7 and Pierre Gasly starting ahead of him, that Red Bull basically came to Pierre and was like, hey, you know, help out the team here and do not make it hard for Max to pass you whenever that comes to. I don't know what your thoughts about this are. I don't know if it's just, hey, you know, if you if you have a problem with this, you get another team into Formula One and you can do whatever you want. But it's just unfortunate that you get four drivers, basically three additional drivers outside of Max. If you're looking at him specifically, that you can say, tailor some help to, which you know, four out of twenty, right? That's good amount percent. Uh, that is, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not going to do the math because I'm too smart. It's too. 
2%, but yeah, you don't, don't yeah, do the math. Yeah, 2% of the grid, which, you 20% know, were idiots. You said 2%. I didn't. I'm not the idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Which is 20% of the grid, which, uh, I mean, you know, using that to your favor really does help. Uh, I... I don't fully agree with it, but I don't know. Like that's that's just unfortunate that you can't just have Pierre trying his best to defend, even if it's for a couple of laps. And just I mean, when Max did pass him, super easy, no restraint. There was no kind of move uh, in defense of that. But uh, you know, whatever whatever helps the Red Bull team, I guess they're willing to do and willing to enforce on to the Alpha Tower guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a different. Uh, it's not as extreme, but. Um, I was listening to another rival podcast, um, which will not be named. Um, I know, I know, it is. You got to keep your, uh, you got to keep your eyes on the competition at all times. Um, but they were mentioning how, basically, like this kind of stuff isn't a stranger to Formula One. Like teams have, you know, Ferrari has Alfa Romeo that they can that they can kind of do the same thing with. Mercedes has Williams. It's just the fact that Alpha Tauri is so good that they're actually playing a part in this stuff where you know their drivers are actually having to you know, to avoid or to kind of, to collaborate in a way you could say collude as as another verb there. Um, but, but yeah, they were mentioning uh, past races where Toto um, Toto went into another team's garage. I believe it was Williams' garage. Um, and about thirty seconds later, a Mercedes got passed to Williams. This was several years ago. Um, so like that's a thing. It's it's just it's un- unfortunate because I get that it, like yeah it's not necessarily like perfect competition but you know I I get that it happens I, I would prefer it not to be there like you but you know it's just just a part of the game yep exactly and moving right along to our number one team in the constructors championship Mercedes with a nice five point lead now over Red Bull uh, outside of losing the fastest lap. Obviously, it's kind of like a Dr. Dr. Uh, Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde kind of situation for Mercedes this weekend. Best race results for Lewis could not have gone worse for Valtteri. Uh, Lewis, just like last week, clinical all weekend. Five-second gap after 10 laps of the race. So that was very beneficial having Max start seven, even though he moved up to four Like after the first turn. He was, you know, having those slower drivers in front of him really helped Lewis extend that lead and maintain it for the rest of the race. Valtteri, super aggressive one-stop strategy that lit, quite literally blew up in his face, uh, that puncture on like lap 34, 35 on mediums. Uh, the damage that he got when trying to get back to the pit stop caused him to end up retiring. They you know, tried to give him another go, but clearly there was some too much damage on the car for them to uh, continue. That you know, typically when we see Valtteri maybe out of the points that we've seen uh, in prior times that, you know, they just strap on some soft, steal that fastest lap from Max. But yeah, as we said, did not get that opportunity, which very, very, I, I think could play a, a crucial, crucial role to this uh, driver's championship as well, probably as the constructor's championship. So uh, that was very difficult for Mercedes. So yeah, just like we said, highs of highs this weekend, lows of lows. Uh, ended up still keeping the constructors' championship on top and uh, closing the dra- closing the gap to eight on the drivers' championship. So, you know, everything is pretty much fair game between the two of them going into the last two races. Let's get a prediction now that we're updated after Cotter. Uh, who wins the championship and by how much for constructors and drivers? You do constructors first. I'll go drivers. Okay, I'm going to go constructors. I still think it's going to be around ten to fifteen. Uh, around ten. Mercedes. Yeah, I'll say Mercedes by more than 15. Um, and then, I mean, 
I don't have anything to back this up other than intuition, but I think one of these one of these top title contenders drivers is going to have a DNF within the next two races. Mm. So, um, I, I mean, I I don't know why, but I just think it's going to be Lewis. And I think it's going to be the, the team's fault. So, yeah, give me Max by you know by about ten points. Okay. All right, a little flipperoo. All right, I like it. I, I mean, if yeah. that's the case though, then how is your Mercedes winning by fifteen or more come to factor? I'm just hedging my bets. <laughs> okay, all right. So you're guessing. So a smart one of them. Do. One of them is hopefully gonna play <laughs> out, but none of neither of them can both play out. It's early, dude. It's Monday. Leave me alone. I was just gonna do the math, dude. Obviously, we said earlier in this podcast, big math guy, and it just didn't seem like it was adding up. <laughs> uh, well, that does it for our race recap. Moving right along to our last sector, our race predictions recap. <laughs> But before we get there, we do have a sponsor. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Balloons Tower Defense 10. If you've been living on a rock and have never played Balloons Tower Defense, you know, whether you're in middle school, elementary school, for me, high school, maybe some college. So, yeah, don't, don't point fingers, don't make fun. Uh, it's a game where little monkeys will pop balloons scooting through a track with darts. The name of the game is to pop all the balloons before they finish going through the entire track this new balloons tower defense 10 though is stated as state-of-the-art as a video game could be balloons tower defense 10 is being implemented in real life as drones and technology have allowed this opportunity to be forged if you watch the race close enough you will have noticed that balloons actually gave a preview of what the game could look like during the cutter grand prix the darts were shot starting on lap 35 where valtteri bottas was the first to be ballooned as we say in the business they didn't stop there though as they attacked lando norris at lap 50 george russell and nicholas latifi around lap 52. so be on the lookout for actually coming up balloons tower defense 11 where they actually go after your friends and family as well balloons tower defense nothing that pops is safe so there is our sponsor, Balloons Tower Defense. Yep, they uh, another one of the sponsors that is uh, you know being is working with Formula One and being a part of that process. So good to see Formula One integrating even more ads, more sponsors, more outside technology into the game itself. So that's great to see. And hitting into our race predictions recap to fill everyone up. I had a one point lead on Ian and. We are now going into this week. Who do we think will crash or DNF? I went with Antonio Giovinazzi. I went with Carlos Sainz. Neither of us got a point there. Winner, I thought I would pick Max because I thought it was a Red Bull track. was very incorrect about that. It's clearly a Mercedes track, and Mercedes got a better package. Winner, I went with Valtteri. Also, regardless if it was a Red Bull or Mercedes track, it was not a Valtteri Bottas track, so uh, he was a DNF. No. <laughs> Last place, we both obviously, as always, went with Nikita Mazepin, and check, check for that. So point for each there. Good stuff. Most overtakes, I went with Lance Stroll. Had a pretty good weekend, but didn't overtake all that many people, or at least not as much as Sergio. Yeah, same with Kimmy. Perfect. So none of us getting a point there. None of us got a point for driver of the day either. I picked Pierre Gasly. I went with Max. Gasly was looking like he uh, had a little bit of fight in him until, I think, uh, the strategy really bit him in the ass. But, yep, no points for us there. We got douche of the day. Who'd you have for douche douche of the day? I went with Sergio, who uh, was rather, I thought, you know, he would have been a douche for Red Bull after seeing him in and kind of leaving them on an island. But 
Uh, really helped him out. I think he was fantastic. Uh, should have been potentially up there for driver of the day as well. But, yeah, not our douche of the day. Nope. I went with Yuki Tsunoda. Um, he was just kind of a flop of the day. But what do we think? I, I wrote down maybe Pirelli. Pirelli douche of the day yeah, for I mean, <laughs> really fucking over some people's yeah. races. What a guess in the dark if we, we went outside of the starting grid and picked <laughs> Pirelli as our douche of the day. But, yeah, I can see that. I'll make that. Uh, Maybe double points, I think. Yeah, I think, I think at least, yeah. <laughs> and then fastest pit stop. Let me tee this up for you. I, I went with Aston Martin. You picked Ferrari, which I knew. I was like, all right, you know, he's he's been on a bit of a heater lately, but Ferrari has struggled a lot, especially early in the season with pit stops. Um, not only having some very long ones, but uh, like, you know, up into the 7, 8 second, but also, um, you know, not, not just like being toward the top. But do you want, I mean, I'll, I'll let you bask in your glory for a second here if you want to applaud your prancing horse. Yeah, dude, I don't know what model that I've been using for my fastest pit stop guessing, but I figured it out. A lot of time and consideration went into this, and yeah, yeah. Uh, the boys are flying. Like, those Ferrari boys have been, yeah, making that extra dish, maybe a little bit like an extra cappuccino in their cups, you know, get those hands a little Ooh. jittery, figuring it out. Yeah, but those Italians, man, they got it, and I could not have thanked them. They've brought me some much-needed points over these past couple of weeks, so yeah, huge for, for me, huge for the boys. Can't wait to celebrate with them. Good stuff. And last but not least, our wild card prediction. I went with Charles and Carlos passing Lando in this week in Drivers' Championship. Uh, not quite the case. We did have the opportunity with Lando finishing P9, only a couple points, but both Charles and Carlos. I mean, Charles obviously not having a great race. Carlos not having enough that he needed to actually pass him as well. So uh, that was nulled. Yep. And then I thought Red Bull and Mercedes were going to crash for my wildcard prediction. Both teams were getting followed around by Netflix. So I thought, you know, everybody knows the Netflix curse. Something horrible is going to happen if they're on both sides right now. If they're on both Red Bull and Mercedes, it seems like the stars are aligned perfectly for a, a Red Bull Merc crash. But alas, they didn't. I don't think they even had the opportunity, especially with Max getting that, uh, getting that five-place grid penalty. Um, going, you know, and not even not even getting on the front row and, and, and being able to battle with Lewis. So, yep, no points there. That leaves us with a 26 to 24 Marco lead over myself. Um, it's heating up. Uh, you're pulling away a little bit. You did you did make uh, make the gap a little bit bigger this week, but hopefully get back on the race. We got two races left. Can, can we add in an extra an extra ugly for the good, bad, and ugly? Going back to the beginning of the show. Okay. We have two races left. <sighs> We have two yeah. to go. We yeah. have Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi, and that's it. And then we don't get Formula One for three months. We don't even get a. We didn't get to see a car. All we get is shitty, shitty. Uh, you know, Formula One journalists trying to keep their job by making up stories or looking into old quotes and going back and saying, okay, maybe I can make a story out of this. But you know, we get to race twice before you know the long winter. Winter's coming, as as some uh, as some people have said before. So yeah, I don't know. I think that is probably the ugliest news I could get, and especially to rehash on a Monday, but here we are. Um, let's just I say we, you know, let's let's take it one step at a time, one race at a time and, and enjoy the rest of the ride here. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm not sad right now. Yeah, no, we definitely race as a family, race as one. So like we'll need to get through these couple months together as a team. Uh, you said that, you know, like all these annoying journalists during the off season making up stories to, you know, keep people looking. That does not go for podcasting, no. We will have very nope. fun stories about the past, very fun things to talk about, clearly to help get us through. Not the journalists. Those guys are assholes. No. 
Yeah, those guys are way different than we are. We're like the cool guys. Journalists are the nerds. We're the cool uncle that uh, gives you cigarettes when you're growing up when you're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, dude, I am a cool uncle that gives my nieces cigarettes. Sounds like so you've been smoking a couple, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know when this is going to go away. My good, bad, and ugly is that good I'm here, bad it's still here, and ugly is that there was a little blood in my snot this morning. So, yay! Let me cut that, that out. Don't sugar, get that maybe that's probably causing it. <laughs> All right, I think that's uh, everything we have to say for episode 42. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we got a week off, and then we'll, we will be back at it in Saudi Arabia. Looks like we're all set to go and ready December 5th. Uh, anything else for the people before we head out here, Marco? No, fingers crossed. I know uh, last week that they were worried about Saudi Arabia being the track being finished in time of December 5th. Uh, I've not seen any updates since, but yeah, uh, hopefully that finished, is Finished, ready to go, ready to go. Okay, we're good. All right, never doubt. Yep. Sweet. Never doubt. All right, well, uh, <laughs> talk to you guys next week all about the track, all about what we got going on. Until then, see you assholes. See you assholes.